Over five years ago, we bought our first van, which blows my mind that it's been five years that we've been in this whole crazy nomad travel bubble of a world. Where did the time go? I don't know. It's crazy how fast life flies when you look at it like that and you stand back and you say, five years ago, how did that happen? But that's important today because the people we're having on our podcast are the first van lifers we ever met. And that's kind of a big deal because the way our paths cross, we were randomly camping in a tent at a campground in Oregon, right on the Oregon Washington border. Mm -hmm. uh, Kramer was like, I don't know, five months old. He was a tiny little puppy. Super we tiny. We decided we wanted to go camping for the week when we were living in Seattle. And so we headed down to the coast. And one evening we were walking on the beach at this campground and there was a Sprinter van. And we're like, let's just go over and see what it's like. We had seen van life on YouTube at this point and we were curious. And I was yeah. kind of like pushing Chris, let's, yeah. let's go check we, it out. So let's go, let's go talk to these strangers. We've never met these guys, but they, they did have their sliding door open. So uh -huh. it was sort of inviting, inviting us in. Yeah, and so we walked over and they were the nicest people. Um, and their names were Brian, our Brian and Jen. They're still around. <laughs> and Brian and Jim, Brian and Jen, spoiler, are the ones that we are having on the podcast today. Um, but we met them that day standing on a beach in Oregon, and they were the kindest people and answered all of our van questions that we had. I think we ended up pulling the trigger on the van like a month later. Uh -huh, yeah. And then we started following each other on Instagram and following their journeys. And they... I, I, we do need to say this. Their last name is Danger. And yeah. Then, and they didn't cool change it to that. Yeah, it's a super cool a last name. <laughs> yeah, I wish my last name were Danger. That's pretty good. But anyway, Brian and Jen, we kind of credit them as, I don't want to say they're mentors, but we've definitely gone to them several times in van life and mm -hmm. all these different travel things that we've done and just asked them questions because they are just this wealth of knowledge. They have set themselves up to be able to travel remotely and still have income coming in. I mean, they just, they're like, I feel like kind of like where Chris and I are is where they were maybe like a few years back. Like they're, they're yeah. we look at them, we're like, oh man, yeah. they've got to figure it out. They can sell across the Pacific well, Ocean and still make money. You like, just gave it away. And that's why we're having them on the, the title of the episode. I know. I mean, so we're having them on the podcast because they've graduated from van life. They no longer trek around on four wheels. They trek around the earth in their boat. On and, a catamaran. On a, yes. And they're currently stuck on in the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. So it, it's, it's going to, we'll let you guys, we're going to let them tell you the whole story, but just to kind of fill you in on who they are. Um, they were van lifers, like we said, and then a few years back, they bought a catamaran, decided to hit the, the water to explore a whole new type of adventure. Um, and then a few months back, it took them to sailing across the Pacific Ocean, just the two of them, just on their little sailboat. And when they finally made it to land, they got stuck. I'm going to leave it there because they're going to have, <laughs> they have a good story. Um, it ends well, just stay tuned. So yeah. without further ado, this is our conversation with Brian and Jen Danger. Dangers. The dangers. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I mean, you guys are on a sailboat in the middle of the Pacific. Like, even being able to do this is incredible. I'm so impressed. Oh. Thank you guys so much for doing this with us. We're so excited to talk with you guys. It's been forever since we've seen you in person, but... Yeah, I oh, mean, I is... mean, there's been like whole oceans between us, so I think there's an excuse a little bit, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Wait, first, do you have coffee? I mean, it's 8 a.m. where you're at right now. Uh, we get up at like 5, the sunrise, oh. <laughs> so... We've uh, we've had coffee, breakfast. We've hung out for a couple hours. I jumped in the ocean. Brian's had a couple of calls. 
<laughs> what a life. <laughs> what a life. Well, it's all that okay. rhythm of the sun, right? Sun and moon. <laughs> yeah. We also go to bed crazy. Like, as soon as sunset happens. So it, you know, we, we're basically 90, I think. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, we're the same way. We've yeah. noticed that when we're on the road. Like once the sun sets, it's like, what are you going to do? Like we don't really watch a ton of TV or anything. Yeah. You're just yeah. like, well, go to bed, wake up early. Yeah. It's great until you're in Alaska and you have the midnight sun and you just never sleep. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Jen and Brian, thank you guys so much for being here with us today. Um, we're going to let you guys just go ahead and introduce yourselves because you can tell everybody who you are better than I can. So just right off the bat, who are you, where are you from, and what are you guys up to? Um, we are Brian and Jen. Uh, we go by the dangers. Um, not really sure why. We didn't fit in very well into normal society, and so some of our friends at some point just started calling us the dangers. And a couple years later, we realized that no one knew us by any other name, and so it just kind of became easier. Um, we're originally from Portland, Oregon. Uh, at some point, um, I got really lucky and fell in with the Oregon hippie that moved in next door. And she convinced me eventually to quit our jobs and run away and seek happiness rather than all those other things that society told us we should be chasing. And so yeah. we kind of did that. We started building out a van long, long before that was a thing or had a hashtag or anybody knew about it. I think a, a negative Chris Farley skit was probably the closest to anybody knowing about living in a van. <laughs> Um, but we kind of built out an old 67 V dub on the side of the road, um, after work, you know, which meant probably an hour and a half between, you know, getting home from work and, and the sun setting and having darkness. And that's when our batteries ran out on our battery powered tools anyway. So it worked. Um, and then we saved up money, downsized, purged all of our belongings and kind of moved into the van for what we thought was going to be a year on the road. We thought maybe we'd saved enough money to just go find a Mexico beach and, exist for about a year and that was about 12 years ago now wow Man, that's... that's what we said too when we first started out we're like we're just going to do it for a year like i think we'll be done after a year and then i mean here we are five years yeah. later still traveling I don't know as much what as you can i don't know what it is about it it's just intoxicating to be to be able to pick up and go wherever you want or like yeah i mean like each day is a new day like you're not i mean we both like routine but after a while routine, like being in the house or like going to the same coffee shop and like, you know, it's this set thing and you start getting used to it. And there's just something about, I don't know, there's just something beautiful about each being day unexpected. being different. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I remember my life better when every day is a little bit different, but mm -hmm. all right. So you said you guys lived in a 1967 VW van. Is that correct? Oh yeah. For oh, the beginning. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, for the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that took, us, that took us all the way down to Panama and back. Wow. Um, somewhere, somewhere in the middle. Um, I mean, a couple years in now, we started to realize that, you know, it was wearing on us. It was a very small vehicle. We weren't prepared for any of this. We were, it was wearing on you. It was wearing on me. It was Jen ideal can, for me. Jen can stare at an open <laughs> and need for another. Yeah. Um, but our van also broke down every three days. And did, yeah. in the beginning, we didn't know how to work on it. Um, I mean, it was just, you know, it was both highs and lows and extreme ends of it. And so eventually we found our way back to Portland. Someone mentioned somewhere in that we were supposed to take, like everybody knew that you were supposed to take a break at eight months. If you're doing like a big overlanding trip, nobody bothered to tell us that. But we also didn't do a lot of research before we left, to be fair. Um and so, yeah, we, we, we did that for several years until we came home, uh, tr thought we would try that on for size again, you know, have the babies do the things didn't work out very well for us. Um, and so we ended up 
you know, converting our garage into a home base for us just in case we wanted it. But then during the process realized we wanted to be on the road again. Right. Um, and so when we did that, we realized that the, the V-Dub bus was awesome south of the border. It was not so good in the Pacific Northwest. It would rain outside. It would rain inside. Um, so we eventually traded up to a, a Mercedes Sprinter and started building that out. And that's, I think, when we actually met you guys on that mm-hmm. beach way back. Yeah. It had a heater. It had four-wheel drive. It was all wet. <laughs> we could take it in snow. We could take it up mountains. We could not take our Volkswagen up mountains. It did not want to go up. It only wanted to stay flat or be at, be at ocean, be at sea level. Um, but yeah, and it was huge. I mean... The three of us at the time, because we had this big, giant, blonde lab, dopey dog that was uh, super happy all the time. Uh, we were so comfortable. It was it was three Volkswagens in one van, basically, the size of it. Luxury at 69 square feet. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you guys did opposite of us. You started smaller and then went a little bit larger. We started with the biggest sprinter and then went to the smallest yeah. sprinter. Yeah. Well, I mean... and. <laughs> You're totally right. You guys were the very first like van lifers we met in in real life. It was I mean, the first van we had ever seen in ever person seen. was your van on that beach that day. Yeah. When we moved in our Volkswagen, everybody we talked to thought we were bonkers. Nobody had heard of anyone ever doing this, and we were bonkers. We had really like burned out on normal life, and we were like, mm-hmm. let's just go camp and be like amongst nature and figure out like reset and figure out like what what do we want to do with our lives because it's not the grind that we have been doing and Mm -hmm. it it, it's obvious now that it's like perfect for everybody (laughs) or not everybody but the freedom of it and the and the you wake up and you're like what do i want to do today and am i happy today and do i have uh, am I achieving my goals? Am I, you know, am I connecting with nature, connecting with my loved ones? Or, you know, it makes perfect sense now. But at the time, we were just trying to escape. Like, and this was two thousand eight. You know, when we started building okay. out the van, the economy was in the trash can. You know, we right. had several mm-hmm. friends who had lost their job and, and yeah. looking for work, and we we're like, oh, what are we doing? Like, we're trying to get out of our jobs. And then 2012 is when we finally drove away after a couple false starts. Um, horrible time to go to Mexico, cartel violence, you know, all the, everybody's like, oh, you're going to get beheaded twice. You know, it's, um, it, all the fears, all the possible fears yeah. that you could possibly have. We just wrapped up into one, one transition. Right? And it was blissful. <laughs> there <laughs> <It was great. laughs> It was great. I mean, there were problems, but it was, and we had to, unwind right we were like so wired a certain way we had to like reprogram and we didn't realize that was going to happen we were doing it while we were acknowledging it and aware of it while it was happening but like efficiency was no longer a critical component of our life and that had been like one of our main driving forces in our jobs and you know in our in our daily like existence but when you live in a volkswagen that breaks down all the time and you're camping in mexico uh, and you're anywhere in central america you you're not efficient you're just like you're like going with the flow you're like oh we broke down i guess we're gonna live here for a couple days until we like (laughs) solve this you know and one of us 
was really good at that. It was amazing. The other, one of us struggled a lot in the early years to kind of relax and give into it and not know what was coming, right? I mean, I remember at one point, I think we're still in Baja and I'm like, Jen, what are we gonna do? Like, what's what the we solve? We're running out lives? of money. What are we gonna do with our lives? Like, she's like, oh, we're the universe will provide. We'll have an epiphany. And I'm like, when is the yes. epiphany gonna happen? And she just gave me a need it now. Okay, great. I'm gonna put that on the calendar. And next year when it hasn't happened, I'll be able to say, I told you so, and we can go back home. And somehow before that date ever arrived, there was no epiphany, but it just kind of didn't matter, right? Like started to settle in and relax and enjoy and I don't know, take advantage of the beauty that was yeah, being gone, being nomadic, being free. So yeah. how long did that trip through Central America take you guys from the moment you left Portland down to Panama and back? How long were you guys gone on that one leg of the trip? Well, it actually ended up being two legs because we drove down to Costa Rica and that was probably from Canada to Costa Rica was probably a year and a half. And then we left the van in Costa Rica to fly home because we were missing our loved ones. We were missing like, you know, playing games with a, a glass of wine near a fire, you know, things that we just hadn't experienced in the last year and a half on, you know, dreamy beaches and eating tacos. And, um, and we kind of got stuck there for a year. Almost a full year. Almost and that's when we year. tried to do the tiny home thing. You know, we tried to do the home base, um, which turned out well for us. I mean, we ended up being of Airbnb it while we were gone. So it was a nice way for us to come home if and when we ever wanted to, and then helped a little bit, um, you know, to fund some of the travels and things as we tried to keep going. Um, but yeah, we eventually flew back down, drove back much more rapidly, at brought, least for us. Brought the combi back to yeah. Oregon. And... and then moved on to the next phase, which was the sprinter, right? Um, and then that we lived in full time for maybe another six years. Well, there's one thing that you're forgetting, Usually which is, so we yeah. took the, we took our house that we had rented while we traveled and we, we took the garage and turned it into a studio apartment. So we had a home base in Portland and then we went back when we went back to get the bus to Costa Rica to drive it back. We Airbnb just started and some, a neighbor said, you should Airbnb your, your garage while you're gone. And we're like, well, what's Airbnb? How yeah. does that work? Yeah. So we did it. And when we got back, we had forgot to, we had forgotten to block it for when we get back. So there were Airbnb guests in our garage. And so we're living in our Volkswagen in our neighborhood, waiting for these guests <laughs> for their reservation to end. Right. And meanwhile, you know, they helped buy our plane ticket to get to Costa Rica. Like we're, you know, we don't have jobs at this point. So we're like, yeah. you know, and the money's gone. Cheap. We spent the rest of the money on that remodel. Yeah. Right. So now we're like, okay. So then like, we, so then we get back into our garage. The Airbnb guests are gone. We've blocked it. We're safe. And we're like, actually, that was pretty good money. Maybe we should go in our Volkswagen for another week and you know, let someone else in the garage. So we started doing that. We started like opening up a month and somebody would book it for a week. And we'd be like, where do we want to go in our Volkswagen? So we would drive to the beach or we would drive to the mountains or we would just go camping for a week and then we'd come back when the guests left and we're like 
this is pretty great. We just made like thousand dollars. <laughs> I get that. Uh, we totally get that. We've so. done that. Yeah, we've That's done. That's been us in our van with somebody. Like we've forgotten to block off our our house for ourselves. We've been in town and we pulled them. We're like, oh shoot, somebody's in our yeah. house right now. Yeah, we've so, done that. Yeah, we yeah, and it was nice. I mean, around here, like we we had to stay. It wasn't a whole week. I think it was a couple it was three days. Three or days. Yeah. So we just kind of bopped around town and. You know, thankfully, our co-working space has showers. So we're like, hey, you know what? We'll just go shower at a co-working yeah. space. Go back, you know. <laughs> yeah, Planet I Fitness. Remember, I remember we came back. And while we're driving back to our garage, the, the guests write and say, can we just stay one more night? And we're like, okay. So our friends that lived like five blocks away were like, hey, you guys, can we sleep in our Volkswagen outside of your house tonight? Because the guests want to stay. And we can have dinner together. We'll cook you dinner, whatever. And it was amazing. We're like sleeping in our detached bedroom outside of our friend's house while we're <laughs> making $150. <laughs> I love it. It happened pretty quick, I think. Like we, I don't know, it, we thought we were in that phase where we were ready to kind of settle again, settle down, I should say. Mm -hmm. And it just, I don't know, it just didn't happen, right? So it was nice yeah. to have it. I think I needed it. Like I needed to know I had a foundation roots. or something, some kind of roots. And as soon as we built it, it was like, oh, well, we don't really need that anymore. And so instead of booking it out for one week a month, it quickly became, you know, there'd be one week every three months that it wasn't booked. And so we'd go say hi to friends and family and then we'd leave again. And I don't know, somehow it just ended up with us back on the road. And then we kind of did the same thing in in B.C. for a little while because we had lived there before we quit our jobs, um, spent time just touring the Northwest. I mean, doing all the things that we never had time to do while we lived there um, other than quick backpacking trips maybe um, and so we spent another five or six years just just covering every road paved or non um, in the pacific northwest yeah we ended up going to the garage like maybe two weeks and then we'd be gone for like eight months yeah. and then we'd be like oh you know let's go back there's our friends are getting married let's go back and live in our garage for a week and go to the wedding and do like portland and then let's leave again like then it, our home was a sprinter the home was no longer the garage the garage was just our like vacation home when we wanted to vacation in portland <laughs> it was very strange but it felt right so felt great yeah i mean there was one summer in in bc where we just to have a home base again, because we wanted to play volleyball with our friends there occasionally when they had free time on weekends. Day. And so we would, we basically rented a driveway on a house right next to Kitts Beach, which is always in the top five best beaches on the planet, million, multi-million dollar homes. And we're living in a van, renting a driveway with free internet for like a hundred bucks a month. Composting, internet, uh, water, for, yeah. We're like, this is our best life, right? I mean, this is as yeah, good you're as loving it. for people that are willing to be nomadic. I mean, don't get me wrong. I also would wake up in the morning and walk down to like the, um, public. the public restroom in the yeah. park where the local homeless population or houseless population would be showering in the sink. And so we're all on a first name basis. And <laughs> at some point you start to question like, what, what is the line between van life and homelessness? Right. I mean, it's, right, it's, right. it's one of us gets to choose to be doing yeah. this and the other one doesn't. I think that's kind of where the line lies. Um, but for us, I mean, we were thrilled, right? And then we, we kind of would just kind of do that. Like we would spend the winters chasing snow mountain to mountain. We'd spend the summers playing volleyball. Um, and then, you know, events uh, like weddings and fun parties 
would be the things we would go see friends and family for as where otherwise we'd go to town and to see them, but then we would sit and not see them because they were too busy. Right. Um, everybody has their own things. Right. So we'd get to town and they throw us a big party. And we're like, this is great. And then we wouldn't see them for three weeks. And I'm like, well, we should probably be traveling if that's the case. Right. We get that. You're hitting on a lot of stuff that, you know, we've had one or two other van lifers on, on the podcast so far, but I don't think anybody's really talked about the option of being home in your van, like in your hometown mm -hmm. and just sort of, you know, dipping in, getting all the fun and then piecing back out again. Mm -hmm. I, that we've done that. We've yeah. absolutely done that. And yeah. I think it's a really yeah. fun way or it's a, it's another positive to, I guess, living nomadically. You can just kind of come back and leave and most yeah. friends understand it. They really do. Yeah. So I want to, I, I want to go back to Brian. You said something a, a little bit ago about one of you got it. Like one of you was very comfortable on this nomadic lifestyle and the other one, I'm assuming you, um, <laughs> had a, hard, a harder time. And it, was that because you are more like entrepreneur business driven? Like you always had to have task. You're like ready to go. Like you like, and then, or like, why, why did you have a hard time? And then I know that you had that transition period where you were, like you said, yeah, it eventually will work out, but do you still struggle with that when, and, or has, have you just completely given your all to just being, being wherever? This is a good We question. might answer this question differently. Like I'll warn you. Um, <laughs> by and large, I've, I've settled in and I've come to at least terms with it. Um, and you're right. I mean, the brain, we have two different brains. Literally Jen can sit and stare at the ocean all day and have everything she needs. I'm, pretty heavily OCD, ADHD. I've got all the alphabet problems going on most of the time. Um, and, and I think also just background training. I mean, I grew up in a family that, I mean, we both grew up in families that had almost nothing in terms of money. Uh, my family really drove home. Like you have to do this. There's only one way in life, right? And this is what success looks like, which is really just having a full-time job, right? Um, and, and so, yeah, I think I was just terrified of breaking the system um and it took a long time you know to to realize we spent our 401k we you know luckily got out of debt before we left other than you know real estate um and i, I just couldn't let it go right i i couldn't not have a plan or an answer or know what was going to happen when we hit zero dollars and that part of me still struggles a little bit because obviously you know we're now 12 years in without a plan right and so we our bank account's definitely a, a roller coaster as are our emotions from time to time. Um, but we've now had to start over and reinvent ourselves a half dozen times, right? And so we've bounced off the bottom that many times. And at some point, while I still can find myself, you know, starting to get tense or, or feel the pressure of how do we, you know, what's next? How do we make more money? I also trust that we can do it now, right? Like we've reinvented enough times that I, I, I trust in our ability to do it. And so both, I guess, is the answer, Chris. I mean, it's um, a hardwiring of society is really hard to overcome, right? And we talk about this all the time. And I, uh, I mean, I got lucky, right? Somebody moved in next door that I fell in love with and I could just kind of emulate that person's drive for freedom. Most people don't get that. Most people don't get anyone in their life. They're lucky if they have a detached aunt or uncle, right? That drives around or does anything that looks remotely like chasing happiness. And so I feel, I don't know, indebted to, to share our story, to try and 
you know, find the tallest rock to stand on top of and shout it to the world. Because if I hadn't met her, I mean, I would, I'd be dead. I would have died at my desk or in a Hertz rental car for work. Right. I mean, I, it's not lost on me at all that that was actually the path I was on and it probably would have happened by now. Um, and so, yeah, I, we don't have all the answers. We actually have still very few of the answers, That's but true. we definitely believe in the process. And we've now spent 12 years living blissfully happily. Um, not to say there aren't issues. There's always issues. Um, (laughs) but you know, chasing our best life and literally just waking up and deciding where we want to go next and how we want to get there. And it's, it's pretty hard to give up after a while. Right. I mean, it, it's, it really is. I mean, at some point we started calling ourselves broken, um, in a good way, but, but we're broken. I mean, we can't go back to that thing that we knew before. I think that's kind of, we're in that place a little bit right now. We have a home base in Tennessee and we, you know, we're off the road for a bit during COVID, like a lot of people, but I think we're, I think we thought that we were going to be done by four or five years in. We're like, oh, there's no way we're still going to be doing this in four or five years, but we still love it. And so it's almost like this little bit of an identity crisis where we really love it, but also we kind of feel like it doesn't quite fit, you know, normal culture a little bit. So mm-hmm. we keep going, even though it feels kind of weird on one side, but also what we really love. So I think we're kind of in that place yeah. right now. Yeah. But I want to ask a little bit about you guys. I know work has changed a lot for you guys. I know one thing you guys do for work, but you, could you tell us a little bit about how do you guys sustain the lifestyle now? I know that vans are a part of it, but what does that look like for y'all? So there's been, there's like Brian used the word reinvention. There have been a, a couple different things. Right now, um, our Sprinter van, Bride designed it in a really beautiful way and it got some beautiful photography, got a little bit of press and people started calling and saying, I want to... I want to own your van. Can I buy your van? And fast forward, uh, it turned into a business. So there is some income coming in from a van building business, Zen Vans. Um, before that, we talked about how we turned our garage into a home base for us. Brian did it in a really beautiful way. So once we did it, um, and it was floor to ceiling windows and uh, very visible from the street. So this old dilapidated garage all of a sudden became this beautiful little studio loft and neighbors started coming and saying, wow, like this is gorgeous. Can you help me design something like this for my dilapidated garage? Or can you help me like, you know, renovate my attic so it can be for my in-laws or my kid when they get out of college or whatever. So that turned into a little business. It was called Zen Box Design, where Bri was helping people visualize their spaces that they weren't using in their houses and turn them into actual usable living space, you know, like a, a she shed or a detached bedroom or an actual like apartment in the backyard that they could Airbnb or family could live in or their 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 adult children could live in or whatever. An ADU, an ADU in, in Portland yeah. or an accessory unit, right? Yeah. So those have uh, been those have been the main like income streams, which are beautiful because they started with Brian's passion, which is design and and um, architecture, I guess, in a way, but more. Um, yeah. I mean, we again, well. there's no plan. There still isn't yeah. a plan. Uh, and so we learned pretty early on that you know, one of the key factors in us being able to remove was kind of multiple answers rather than one, right? If you're looking for one job or one thing, 
it's really hard to do that without doing it full time, right? Just due to the nature again of how, how things are built. Um, and so we kind of always have focused on small, multiple small streams of income, right? And so, um, you know, renting out our house when we left certainly helped. Um, dividing that and then having like ours was an ADU as well. So our garage being an ADU clearly helped. Um, nothing enough to do on its own, but all the little ones kind of helped together, right? And then we, I had committed to Jen, like we're not going to take jobs for money, right? It was part of the process of, of detaching and kind of finding ourselves. But somewhere along the way, you know, people kept happening over our garage kind of looked like a bar from the street. So people would come in and be like, what are you serving? Um, and then take it to, not unlike opening your van and having people step inside. Right. We did that right? for $8 once. Yeah. No, no, we didn't. We, we traded the offer anyway. Um, oh, oh. So, you know, we just kind of ended up in this place where, you know, I'm helping people. We had been through the process. We knew the city code. We knew the, the things that were involved. We knew good contractors. And so at some point we're basically playing the role of architect and I'm loving it. And so we're, you know, Jen's like, you're up at 3 a.m. You, you've been up all night for the last three days doing this. Maybe you should actually ask for some money, right? And when we asked for money, it was it was almost nothing, but at least it, it helped, right? I mean, well, it helped feed in a little bit. Pause, play. It started with friends, <laughs> neighbors, people that we knew. Yeah. So Brian was happy to do that and he was, getting fed by it himself. So it was really fun for him. But then after that whole phase happened, which was probably several months, then it was friends of friends and then friends neighbors of neighbors. Of friends and then and then people who saw photos that didn't even live in our neighborhood. And so then it was strangers, right? And so Brian's doing it for free for strangers. And that, I was like, hmm, I bet you could make $500 doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We got really, I mean, I don't know. One of our place ended up in the New York Times. You know, like we just, yeah. there wow. were also like media events that kind of happened where people came to us or a YouTuber came to us and said, hey, I know you guys hate being on video, but do you mind if we just do a tour of your house and your van? And then that thing got, you know, 2 million views or something. And wow. we thought it was horrible. We're just like, oh God, what do we do? We're so weird. But obviously we <laughs> no. then started getting a lot of calls, right? And so- yeah, it was a nice balance of of keeping the brain busy, uh, an outlet for design, much less all the years of training I had as an architect but never used, um, and also helped feed monetarily a little bit, right? And then this, this, the van's kind of the same story, much in the same way we met you guys, where, you know, we're on a beach, open the door, suddenly there's a dozen people that want to see the inside of the van. Over time, many of those people kept kind of saying, can you can you build ours? Can I buy yours? Can you help me? And so as we redesigned ours, just the designer in me kept redesigning our van, you know, time after time. And so eventually we just did it in a way that it was reverse engineered to bolt in and bolt out. So as I wanted to renovate, we didn't have to rip it apart. We could just swap out. And so it also kind of just led into a nice, easy kind of DIY support business, right? We could make the cabinet so that they looked professional and fancy and you know, nice curved edges. So you didn't bang your head on it and things. Um, and, and so we said no for years. And then finally friends of ours came to us and said, I know you guys don't want to do this, but like, we hate our jobs too. Can you just teach us and we'll do it while you're gone. And obviously that was like, Oh, that's an offer we can't refuse. Right. Um, it didn't really turn out quite that clean. No, nothing <laughs> does like there was a lot of, uh, highs, lows, emotional drama involved. 
Um, but at some point it kind of infused this other business that we, um, also kind of ran away from cause we're good at that. Um, but, but eventually came back around and, and started feeding again, small amounts of money back into the, to the travel pool, right. Or the lifestyle pool or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. So for us, it's, it's not an answer. It's a lot of different answers. You know, we also renovated several homes, uh, in the process you know, we'd go back to Portland and renovate something and, you know, kind of like we did our house, you know, when we got married at one point, we each had a house. And so that worked so well with the first one, we did the same thing the second one, right? We just cut it in half and turned it into two units essentially. And so again, no, no easy answer. There's just a lot of answers and we're still figuring that out. And I think, I think it's important, um, you know, if, if anyone listens to this and uh, is searching for themselves, I think it's important to know that you, we, we didn't envision anything we just literally started living what we love and opportunities started, ideas started popping up for us and we, and we grabbed them. But it wasn't like we sat down and had a plan and then we're gonna do this and then we're gonna move to this. It, it, it's just, we went after what our, where our hearts told us to go. And for Brian, design fueled him and that ended up being a source of money for us. So it's, um, I really believe that you don't have to have the answers. You just have to, you have to open yourself up to be able to hear and, and things. Things are flying by. Things are flying I mean, by. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, yeah. I don't yet prescribe to the universe will provide scenario. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think we all have a little more control or at least owedness to that. Um, but I do have to admit after this many years of doing it, that, that part of the problem when we were at our jobs is that we were so busy. We were so heads down. We were so exhausted that there was not, there wasn't time, energy, passion enough for anything outside of it. Right. Yeah. Now that we spend most of our time in nature and with freedom, suddenly you notice that opportunities are out there and you can kind of capitalize on those opportunities, right? I mean, we didn't intend to start any of these businesses. It, no. And luckily we didn't bounce off the bottom at the same time that we had to, right? We never had to go think about starting a business or getting another job or anything else. It would, it would happen on the downward curve, but then it would just kind of save us before we got there. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and again, it's, it's different for everybody. I mean, I, I happen to get really lit up when I read other people's posts and someone tells them, oh, it must be nice to have a trust fund, right? It, it's exhausting. <laughs> but I also remember being that person, right? I remember seeing people that were traveling and, and or sitting on a beach in Baja and looking at a catamaran and being like, oh, that must be the best life. I wish we had that kind of money or our parents were rich or whatever it was. And it, it's just defeatist, right? I mean, at some point it's an excuse. It's a reason that you don't have to solve it on your own. And I get it. We were there as well. At some point we just stopped doing that, right? We started meeting those people and asking questions. We're like, Hey, can we take you out to dinner? And can you tell us how you did this? We want this, right? And a lot of our, I think a lot of our, I hate to use the word success, but a lot of the reason we've been able to do this for so long, are things we learned from those people, right? Little nuggets of information that those people told us or hints they gave us, or, I mean, I remember way back in the day, 
one of our friends just sat us down and was like, have you read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? I mean, it changed us, right? Because it, it changed the way we looked at our home as an investment versus a depreciating asset uh, or hopeful appreciating asset, but not necessarily. It, it just changed everything for us, right? And so there've been these little nuggets throughout the way. I mean, there was this very old man on a, on a, on a cliff overlooking a beach in Mexico who we were really struggling. And we're like, how, how do you know, like when to, to, to make the leap or when to run away or when to run back or, and he just kind of like sipped his tequila and he was like, in the morning, if you're young enough to recover, yeah, probably like 10 AM, right? He's like, if you're young enough to recover, always take the leap, take the risk, you know? And wow. we just walked away like, wow, this guy just blew our mind, right? Like this was yeah. genius. And then later on, we're like, but how do you know if you're young enough to recover? <laughs> um, we go back and find that guy and ask more questions, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not a straight line for sure, right? I mean, our path is, is so all over the place and it continues to be. And we still don't have a salt. And we are, we are so aware that what it looks like right now is not what it's going to look like in the future. Like we're grateful and appreciative of the moments we have now because that's what's happening for us now. But, and, and, and we don't even foresee what it's gonna look like. We just know that cherish what you have when you have it and be optimistic and hopeful for what's coming in the future because it's, it's really hard to envision that, but- We're just grateful to still be doing it. I mean, yeah. I think we were grateful for that first year and nothing's changed. Like we're, we're just so thankful that, that we're able to keep experiencing these things that, I mean, we're lifelong dreams that we just thought weren't accessible. Right. Yeah. And to have choice yeah. to, to wake up and say, are we happy what we're doing today? And if aren't, what would make us happy and should we make change? Let's go. Yeah. We're, we're currently happy. <laughs> Well, you're in paradise. Well, hang on. We let, need to talk about. Let's, yeah, let's, that, that was all. Everything you just said is just like spot on. I'm like, yes, like I, I get that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people just miss taking that first step. I mean, buying a van and traveling through the U.S. was our first step. It seemed tangible. It was something that was in our budget. We could afford it. And it's just like little incremental steps. And I think I feel like taking risks is always scary, but it does get easier because even if you fail, like you're right, you'll bounce back. I mean, we've never yeah. just fallen so far that. And we've lost jobs and we've, I mean, been through every sort of hurdle and somehow we're still yeah. managing. Yeah, somehow. Yeah. So you just got to take that first step, so, I think. Somehow we manage, right? Somehow we manage. Yeah. Uh, so failure is just a part of the practice. It is. It is. Yeah. It really it, is. It really is. And I think, I mean, when it comes to risk, we, I think people have a certain amount of risk that they're able to take. And that, you know, some people's risk can be greater than, than what ours is. Like there's this like barrier, mm -hmm. um, to that. But I, I think the scariest thing is just taking that first step forward and, and actually doing it because you just don't know, you don't know, but, um, I, well, most people, I know you do. I, I just want to wrap with, to me, we do this all the time, right? Um, I think the problem is that people look at it the way I used to, right? It's a black or white. I go to a job and have a nine to five, or I now know that it's an option to run away and live in a van. I think this is, I think it's a problem, right? I mean, very few people have the means, much less the stress level, uh, capacity for stress to do that. But if you break it down, right? I mean, we try to coach everybody through this all the time. If you break it down to very small steps, you know, if the first step's just paying off debt, 
part of which might be selling the five bedroom house and moving into a three bedroom apartment and then a two bedroom apartment and then a studio apartment, right? I mean, that is scary enough for most people to imagine, much less I'm gonna sell my five bedroom house and I'm gonna move into a van, right? I mean, that is, that is an exceptionally different process, but for most people, that's exactly how they look at it. And I think social media, as much as I love it as a way to touch base and connect with people, it's a disaster for most people, right? They see this thing, they want it, it's black or white, right? I see all these happy people. And, and then you wonder why so many people move into a van, they're miserable. That's a tough transition for anybody, right? I mean, those of us that have done it know it's not exactly all lovely, perfect times. It is awesome, but you're, you're giving up a lot of creature comforts to do it, right? And I just, I think every decision is kind of the same way. If you can break it down into those small steps, it's crazy how you then find yourself in a completely different spot looking back going, how did I get here? Like, how, what just happened? How did I end up here? Sorry, Chris. Yeah. I, I mean, I cut you off. Like, no, 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 that's so, no, I, like, I'm just so agreeing. Good. You're yeah. absolutely right. And touching on the social media side is very important because we do see a lot of people get into van life and, or any sort of life that involves traveling or nomadicness. Um, and they end up hating it, but I, it's, they absolutely hate it. And they didn't take the time and like, and they don't want to admit that they hate it. You know, it's okay. like, it's a point of pride. Like if I admit that I hate this, then I failed. And now, you know, what do I do? I have to go back to my nine to five or, you know, they, they, and, but I think that's part of the process though, of like, if you don't like a tiny space on wheels, that's okay. Like you, nobody, nobody made the rule that you had to love that. Yeah. You um, can do a lot of different things. Yeah. So like live on a boat. <laughs> like, and that's where I want to go because you guys, you just like you for, foregoed the, the whole van thing. You're like, you know, enough with being on the land. We've had enough adventures with firm ground underneath our feet. Let's get on a boat and live on a boat. And I just, my, my first question is why? Like how? We, I want to know how. How did that, that transition happen? Before we did it, Chris. That's, no, a, that's, really good. that's a really good question. And actually, there was there was a turning point. I'll let Bri tell you the story. But I also do want to say that we didn't leave van life behind forever. It's still part of us. And we imagine in our future when we're older that we'll be still nomadic in a, in a vehicle um, or a vessel, who knows? I have no idea when, but um, the van life and the boat life, they're very similar lifestyles. They're traveling, um, uh, moving, seeing different things, interacting with different people, different cultures. Lots of time with nature. Nature, yeah. Sunrises um, and sunsets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, we always say the only difference, I mean, obviously one of them's floating. Um, but really the only difference in lifestyle is in the boating world, it's much higher highs and much lower lows than in the van world. And that's it. I mean, that's really, uh, maybe some financial issues. There's, it's also yeah, more expensive when those lows hit. There's um, a lot more safety involved on a floating home because, you know, if you break down on a road in a van, you're not going to sink. I mean, triple A. <laughs> AAA and or someone else will come by. Yeah. As where we actually have a lot of <laughs> you know, if you're sailing between two countries and neither of them is the US, you're not even gonna call the Coast Guard. I mean, nobody other than another boat happening by. But at least in a van, you're on a road, someone's going to come by. If you're out in a large enough body of water, that's just not necessarily true. Right. And these were things that took a while for oh us to kind of like, wow, is that how this works? Like, okay. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I mean, again, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a clean cut black and white decision for us. We knew for years that it wasn't just driving down the Pan Am and back up. It was every single time we picked a camp spot, it was either on the beach or looking at the ocean from above, right? I mean, that's just how we- Unless we were snowboarding. Unless we were chasing snow in the yeah. it'd be That's fair. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, like we knew, we, our happy place was always the ocean. And so we spent many, many days over those years staring out at the ocean, looking at boats, being jealous of them, but also knowing we kind of gave that up, right? I mean, even when we had expensive jobs and, you know, we'd pin a boat up on our dream board, like, I don't know how that ever happens in life, right? I just, I don't know how we ever get there because we don't know how to sail it. We don't know how to buy it, all the things. Uh, we, we don't know anyone that's ever owned a boat, right? And, and so we just kind of always put it off and we're like, well, I guess we chose this instead, right? But we love our life. We're not going to give it up or we'll try to do it later. And then we were we were driving up through the Yukon Northwest Territories in Alaska and much like that, you know, midday campfire because it's actually midnight, but you got your sunglasses on. Yeah. Um, we <laughs> met another camper and he was bitter and miserable. And we're like, man, like what's going we on? We were right? having such a great time. We're like, this is the best lifestyle ever. And I just saw yeah. a baby moose and two baby um, cubs with their mama bear, like today it was wonderful, it was glorious. A fox ran through our camp. Like, this is the best lifestyle wow. ever. And he is so grumpy. He was yeah, so he, grumpy. He just wasn't happy, right? And we're like, hey man, because this is what we do. Like we ask a lot of questions. Like, what's going on? You know, and he's like, no, I'm not a camper, I'm a sailor. Like, I want to be on a boat. And we're mm -hmm. like, well, all due respect, why aren't you on a boat? He's like, Yeah, my body's breaking. Like, we're just getting we're just getting too old to where we can't do it anymore. And we just kind of looked at each other and we went back to the van later and you know, I dove into some quick conversations and just kind of realized it's a hard life. It's not something you can punt until you're old and the body's breaking down. And so we hopped online and we bought a boat three days later, sight unseen. Oh my wow. gosh. Um, I mean, we were in Alaska with our dog and we bought a boat in Florida and we're like, we don't know oh even how to get gosh. to this boat. We weren't there for the survey. I mean, we made a lot of bad decisions I would never recommend, right? But it just hit us how, how much we wanted it and how important it was to do it while we were young, right? And I think that's equally wow. true with traveling in a van or anything else, but in a boat, it it matters more. I mean, it really does. And I, I, have, I have horrible back problems from way back. I mean, it's just, it's easy to imagine us not being able to do this for long, especially now that we know how intense it can be. Um, and so, yeah, we basically went back, sold our van, loaded up a rental car and drove straight to Florida. And somewhere along the way, we looked at each other and we're like, oh my God, what if we get seasick? Or what if the dog gets seasick? Not even getting into how do we learn to sail a boat, right? Just, just like, what if we physically can't live on it? And so we just decided like one new thing a day, right? And we moved on to the boat it's still tied to a dock. And so the one new thing was trying to figure out how to turn the lights on. And then it was how to flush the toilets. And then it was how to get water to come out of the faucet. And um, eventually it became, how do you, how do you start the motor on the dinghy so that we can get to shore for groceries? Um, and, and we just kind of kept doing that. And we're, we still have so very much to learn. Um, but, you know, we spent three years sailing around the Caribbean and we just crossed the Pacific um, and now we're sitting in French Polynesia again, doing something that we would have 
thrown a photo onto that dream board, but said, there's honestly no way we'll ever get there in our life. Right. And wow, yeah. I, there's so many, so many gaps in the middle. I'm not even able to fill in for you. Right. But again, so, yeah. so very grateful to experience it for whatever period of time we, we can experience. I didn't realize the turnaround for you guys buying the boat was so fast. And I didn't know you didn't have any background in sailing or boating or anything. So how long did it take you from the time you showed up in Florida and you got the keys? I don't know if there's keys to a boat, but you got the keys to the boat. (laughs) How long did it take you guys to find, okay. (laughs) How long did it take you to finally hit the open water? Like how long did it take you to learn to sell? Did you guys take lessons or what was that like? We did not We should really preface here that you should not do this the way we did this, probably. I mean, (laughs) we've now met other people that have done it. It's not so you can't, but there are probably far easier, safer, less stressful ways than the way we did this. Um, but we didn't uh, we didn't want to keep paying for a dock. It was really expensive in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And so we uh, when we bought it, we had it through the end of the month that our the previous owner had it. And so we just left that and knew we had to pull away within weeks. And so, um, you know, again, our one one new thing a day, we finally started up the dinghy, felt like real boaters and then, you know, got terrified. And we're like, OK, we should probably start the engines to the boat. That was one day. And they're like, well, OK, now maybe we should leave the dock. Right. And the whole plan was just to go to the end of the dock, turn around and come back and put it back on the dock. And once we got free of the dock and got out there, we're like, I don't want to go back. Do you want to go back? Like, that's horrible. That's terrifying. Um, (laughs) We just kind of kept going and got to the ocean and then just sat there. Right. Like there was nothing to hit. So we're like, okay. And then we put up binoculars and started looking at the, the lines. We now know they're supposed to be called lines. Right. Like we're looking at the strings that go to the top of the boat. And we're like, I wonder which one you pull to raise the sail. And literally put the sails up and the boat didn't go anywhere. And we're like, "Uh Oh, <laughs> this is going to be harder than I thought. Right. Um, and so we just kind of kept doing that. So we started, we took a couple weekend trips down to the keys, but then within a couple weeks, we basically sought out and, and crossed, um, crossed over to the Bahamas. Yeah, and then it was, it was just over one month from the moment we pulled up to the Marina and we're like, Where's our boat? Oh my gosh, that's our boat. Um, from when we crossed the Gulf Stream to the Bahamas was just a little over one month. And we've been sailing ever since. So, and again, at, at some point, terrifying, right? But then also just small things to learn that we're still learning. I love that. I get, I'm going to go ahead and guess that, Jen, you like the thrill of the risk and the, like the new challenge. Is that something, are you like that? Um, well, I think if you would have asked me that question five years ago, I would say yes. Uh, I, 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 I worked for um, outdoor brands when I had jobs and I was around a lot of adrenaline junkies and I was never high on the list of adrenaline junkies. Like everyone around me, was way more like crazy and wild than I was, but I was around it a lot. So it felt comfortable. I, you know, I jumped out of an airplane once and, you know, I'll try anything once, but, um, now I, I really like comfort and I really like calm and I really like peace. Um, you know, we live amongst nature and like right now there's no wind and we're just sitting and it's beautiful and there's no, no waves except for when that boat went by and we had a little bit of wake, but it's gorgeous. And in like two or three days, it's going to be 25 knots and the seas are going to build to 10 feet. And like, so 
so we have the whole spectrum of it and i i want to we need wind to sail and so i appreciate that but i don't need too much crazy i don't need to take too many risks i like to it, be mellow again, i do yoga every single day <laughs> higher highs okay, okay. yeah yeah it, and, and you guys know like you've you've been tracking us like we just went through a a pretty big low due to a, an unforecast storm right out here you you start not wanting adrenaline right you really start hoping for those calm times because yeah. you're you're at a different level of risk when things yeah. go very wrong right and so jen's the captain of the boat she's amazing at it it fits her brain really well um she does all the weather routing i mean it's amazing the number of things you have to learn just to do this at a very bare minimum of safety in terms of understanding weather and storms and, and how things happen but when it goes wrong it goes really wrong um and and luckily my brain does that pretty well right and so day-to-day -day captain work jen is exceptional at and then when things freak out the alphabet actually kind of helps right? <laughs> um and so it, it but it's all teamwork i mean you can't you can't make this boat move alone much less do anything in a critical important period when you know a squall picks up and you know winds triple or, or whatever it happens to be so i don't know I, I think a lot of the things we learned early on in the van in the other travels like they they helped a lot and we now still see the same thing you mentioned earlier like we see a lot of people who uh, especially in the Caribbean, because that's the first bouncing off point from the U.S., right? But tons of people, that it was their lifelong dream, waiting until they're 65, sell the house, sell everything, kids are gone, I'm going to buy a boat and sail. That's a tough transition, man. That is a tough black and white from I've lived in this house forever with my family and friends in a, in a cul-de-sac to I'm going to go do this. And so we met a lot of people who get as far as the Bahamas, maybe, maybe they get a little further, and they hate it. Right? They're going to turn around, sell the boat, and have to go buy another house. And they just put everything into that boat, right? And so, I don't know. It, it's I, We feel like, you know, the problem a lot of them face, even if they do get along and don't yell at each other and, and have those problems, you know, most of these people haven't lived in a small space with their significant other for very long, much less without going away for 8 to 10 hours a day, right? And so now we're all trapped in this small space, and we love it. We're like, oh, man, I can't get enough hours in the day. And our boat's four times larger than what we had in the van. So it feels great. Like we're, we're in a lot of luxury and they're feeling like they just condensed all of this stuff as well as adding mm -hmm. stress, as well as all those other things. If Bry's down in a hole and I'm up in the, in the, in the salon, um, I sometimes can't hear what he's saying. And that's weird because for the last 12 years, even longer, because we lived in studio apartments before we quit our jobs, yeah. bachelor pads yeah. or whatever. Um, I, I, he was never out of ear reach, but now for the, right. you know, on this boat, I sometimes can't hear him. It's very strange to hear. <laughs> that is weird. We have a bit of separation anxiety is what she's saying. We're working on it. Yeah. We're talking to people about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you guys gave us our first piece of like marriage advice. You said <laughs> that noise canceling headphones were marriage savers yes. and we, yeah, I think we've quoted you guys a few times about that. We're like, that was the first piece of van life advice we got from someone was the headphones were going to save our marriage in a van. And you guys are not wrong. Those things have saved our marriage. Oh, man, it's so true. Well, that's probably more necessary after we, I think, at least had a part in talking you into moving into a van. So it's good to at least have some other advice to go with that, right? Like, 
Yep, yep. We can yep. both be doing our own thing. We're in our own little worlds, but sitting right next to each other still. Mm. It's perfect. <laughs> we can do it. So what happened? Like what what was the was this the worst thing that happened on the boat? Like why you're stuck in French Polynesia? Wait, can we before we ask them about like about the story of what happened? Because I have an idea of what happened. I know a little bit of it, but how long did it take you guys to get across the ocean and what was the route? Can mm. you tell us like what the last few months has looked like for you guys? Yeah, so in um in February, we found ourselves in Panama on the Caribbean side after spending four years in the Caribbean, four and a half years sailing the Caribbean. And um, in February, we went through the Panama Canal and found ourselves on the Pacific side and waited for a weather window and for some paperwork to get a long stay visa to French Polynesia. As an American, you can only stay 90 days unless you go through this visa process. And we knew we wanted to stay a year or two. Um, so then in March, uh, it was actually mid-March, we left Panama and sailed 30 days across the Pacific Ocean. There was one opportunity to stop, which would have been the Galapagos Islands, but that was the only island with any possibility of stopping before getting to the Marquesas Islands in French Polynesia. We didn't stop in the Galapagos, we just kept going. It took us exactly 30 days. Um, and it was, it was pretty awesome. We had a really great weather window. We had, um, we had a week with two light of winds, which was, it's, it can be stressful because you have limited diesel and so you're either floating or the current's taking you back to Panama or you're slowly motoring, trying not to burn through your diesel to make some positive ground. And then we had three weeks of awesome winds. Um, you know, a few scary squall and lightning storms, but nothing nothing significant broke which is always a big fear if something breaks you have to just figure out a way to fix it or keep going um and look uh, we were pretty terrified to do this i mean to be fair like yeah. it's not none of our story is about not being afraid to do things it's about figuring out a way to do it anyway right yeah and so this was this is pretty intimidating for us especially as fairly rookie sailors um yeah. certainly i mean the longest we had ever been offshore was four and a half days four days yeah. So 30 is significant, right? Yeah. Much less crossing an ocean. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we, we did all the work, we did the research, we made the boat safe, you know, all of those things. And then, I don't know, we're, I think we were shocked that we got out there and loved it. I mean, I, I actually was like, maybe we should just keep going past French Polynesia. This is really great. I get you all to myself, you know, like this is awesome. I was like, no, <laughs> I want my anchor in ground and I want to just not sail for a couple of days and just sleep. <laughs> Great cocktails and, <laughs> and then we yeah. got here and we were like, oh, that was that was significant, right? That's a big thing. Like less people cross an ocean than climb Everest every year by far. Um and and so it and, and there were also a lot of pretty bad stories this year. I mean, there were multiple boats that got hit by whales and sunk within fifteen minutes. There were people lost the at people sea. Were for, okay. yeah, people the were okay. Boats sunk. Boat sunk. Yeah, the people were okay. Uh, there were other boats that were I mean, I just found a guy the other day that was adrift for three months right before somebody found him. Again, there's no road. AAA is not just going to come by, right? Um, and so it, it was crazy to, to be out there in the middle of the ocean and hear these stories is daunting, to say the least. And so we got here, and we're just like, oh, man, that was great. We have nothing to worry about now. And then, you know, within a matter of a couple of days, got hit by lightning or near hit by lightning that fried all of our electronics. And then still made it here to this atoll, thought we were safe, 
and then a, uh, an unforecast, what they call a cyclonic event. Um, so it wasn't a full cyclone, wasn't on the forecast at all. It just developed over top of us and went from, you know, five miles an hour of wind to 65 miles an hour of wind, just like that. And it was blowing us onshore. And so between, between the wind and the waves that picked up across the atoll, uh, we, we, we basically halfway through, we're like, okay, we're going to lose the boat. Like we're going to leave, we're going to sleep on this beach, but we're going to be fine. Right. And then we're going to rebuild. And somehow we did not lose the boat. We were able to save the boat, but we did have um, large sail drive, which is what runs the props, so kind of transmission destruction. And so we've been here, um, took us 69 days to get the parts we needed to put it back together. And so now, luckily, that that was two days ago. So now we can talk to you, and this is yeah. all great, right? Because we're moving again, we have power again. Uh, yeah. But it was an interesting, uh, it was an interesting experience, not only to be you know, no electronics and no propulsion, but in one of the most remote places on the planet, right? Um, and so, you know, luckily we still had a lot of food reserves from crossing the Pacific. Uh, even the Marquesas where we landed, like there were no vegetables and groceries and, you know, there was some fruit, we got some pomplamoose and stuff, but there just wasn't much. And so we supplanted with crab and coconut from the little island next to us and, uh, it was great. And we have a water maker, Ish. so we can yep. make water from the salt water. I mean, most liveaboard boats do have that, especially ones that want to go remote. Like, Yeah, I mean, we make our own water. We make our own power. Um, yeah. We were fortunate to already have a lot of, you know, boxes and bins full of food. Um, and, and obviously, occasionally another boat would come by and bring us a bag with a couple more pomplamoose or a bag of flour, you know, which was amazing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, I can't imagine the, the lows are, wow. the lows are significantly lower <laughs> is, is the point. Right. Um, oh but, but again, you know, any other day, I mean, we probably spent most of our life saying that our goal was to be stranded on a desert Island in the middle of the Pacific. <laughs> and you've um, done it now. <laughs> be careful what you ask for. Yeah. Right? It doesn't um, live up to the hype. <laughs> uh, yes and no. I mean, it was great. Right. It, it, if, if you didn't allow yourself to get stressed out and worried about another storm coming through, you know, now we have no way to protect ourselves. What happens if the repairs don't work? You know, it, if, if we can keep those things in check, then yeah, it's pretty easy to look out and be like, wow, I'm, I'm sitting in paradise right now. Right. Um, but it's also easy to wake up and have it kind of spiral the other way. So I think overall we did a pretty good job. Yeah. When we were in Panama before we crossed, obviously we met a lot of people that were also planning a weather window and planning to cross as well. And so we um, we made some friendships. And so then fast forward, we're here, we're stuck because our we, we can't move our boat and our electronics aren't working. And so we're problem solving all of that, trying to get things from globally to get flown into this little tiny island that we're in that has I think there's 10 resident, 10 houses. On but luckily island. a little airstrip with them. But a little airstrip, yeah. yeah. Oh, and, I was going to ask how our, that worked. And our friends um, come in and they stay for three or four days and then there's a weather window for them to keep going. And as they're leaving, they're like, we feel like we're abandoning you because you can't go anywhere. And we, we can. And we're like, it's cool. I mean, we'll, we'll leave at some point. <laughs> we just don't know. <laughs> it's very strange. Like, it, we went from, oh, shit, what are we going to do, to, okay, now we have a plan, 
let's execute the plan. Okay, what if the plan doesn't work? Wait, nope, let's be optimistic. And then we execute the plan and the plan worked. The repairs um, fixed the problem so far. We've done, you know, two tests and we're feeling pretty optimistic. And, 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 and now we're on the other side where we're like, that was really pretty stressful, but we powered through it and we, and we, we did it together and we feel pretty, pretty Pretty awesome. (laughs) And let's be clear, we don't have any mechanical skills at all. Right. I mean, obviously I I slowly learned to put an old V dub back together, but that was a pretty specific set of needs. And we had a book that literally told me what to do. Right. Um, This is different, right? Like we had to use our boom as a hoist to lift the engine and push it back just to get to the, the sail drive. Um, and so then we're, we're trying to push the engine back forward and we're like, this isn't working. Like, what are we going to do? Like, we don't have anybody else. There's no more hands. There's no mechanic to call. Um, anyway, yeah, it's just, um, it, it's been an interesting experience um, in, in how, I don't know. I mean, at some point, disasters are going to happen, right? To all of us at any given point. Yeah. There are different levels of disasters, to be fair. But how we react to them is is really important, right? And so how we, whether you can wake up in the morning and, and have a positive spin on it, or whether you're going to wake up in the morning and just allow yourself to spiral downward is is huge, right? And luckily, we had any days where we both were on the downward at the same time, right? And so it's really nice to like, um, to find the balance and, and have the other person kind of help pull you pull you out of it, right? And look at the good side or, or go snorkel, do something beautiful to take your mind off of it, right? Yeah. Wow. I just, I can't imagine being stuck in paradise for 69 days. I know. I, and that I want to, I want to ask like, okay, what what's the plan? Like you guys just got the boat fixed. Maybe I'm jumping ahead. Am I jumping ahead? No, go much? ahead. Ask the question. All right. You guys, is there a plan here? I don't, um, yeah. did you say, yeah. Yeah. is that an okay <laughs> question? Unless you expect us to have a plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Loose, loose. You guys put the cells up. Is it tomorrow? You guys going to start sailing? You put the sails up and the wind is right and you head off, where do you think you're gonna end up or where are some places you would love to possibly see by boat in the next year? Do you have any idea at all? We're currently in the Tuamotos, which is uh, an archipelago within French Polynesia. There's actually five different, I think, archipelagos within French Polynesia. So our visa is good for a year. We can re-up it for two. Um, these islands, which are basically just, you know, when you see a that idyllic photo of kind of an ocean, with little islands in a circle or an oval with a lagoon in the middle. The Tuamotas is just that. There are no major islands. It's just these little atolls. And so this is kind of our jam. perfection. This is our jam, this right? Our jam. And so our goal is to stay as long as we can, just hopping from atoll to atoll. Uh, we we fully like to be in remote places. Like we love to be on our own, not have other boats around. That's also our jam. We just didn't realize it was going to happen for quite that long. Um, or Or without having more control over it, right? I think at some point it all comes down to control. Like if you know you can go somewhere, it's a different ball game than just feeling like you, you're at the mercy of nature, right? And so we'll hop yeah. from here, possibly Friday, maybe we need a few more days. Uh, that's, that is tomorrow now, sorry. Um, uh, it, we'll probably just hop like one or two atolls over. So that's probably a day, you know, most of them are a couple of days sail apart from each other. And then we want to go from, say, the Tuamotos to the Society Islands, which is, you know, Tahiti, Bora Bora, names you know, but also a lot more um, touristy, meaning 
we'll go there, but we won't want to stay very long. Um, you know, that'll be another week or two sale, right? To get from one to the other. And so that's just, that's a, a large difference compared to the Caribbean. In the Caribbean, everything is a day or two apart from each other. Here, maybe you can get to a little island within an archipelago, but you got a pretty big sale to get to the next set of islands. So we're, we're, we're really um, on a schedule too with Mother Nature because there are, in the Caribbean, it's hurricanes. It, over here, it's cyclones. They're the same thing. They're just you know, going the other way. Going the other way. But um, there's a season for it. And so right now, it is not the cyclone season. So we're free to move around anywhere we want. Um, with relatively low risk, although we were, you know, we experienced an, an anomaly to that <laughs> weather pattern uh, a couple months ago. Um, but that e even the weather routers and the forecasters are like, we don't really, we didn't see it coming. We don't expect it again. But, you know, Mother Nature is is chaos sometimes. And um, but but then the the cyclone season we have to be in certain areas that are safer than others just to keep our um keep ourselves at that low risk um and to keep insurance i mean and, our insurance yeah. kind of requires sets the schedule on where we can be right yeah um, but we we yeah. plan we think i mean of course we called an unplan always because you know plans are just a direction you head and then you you know change it as you're moving but um, we plan to be in French Polynesia for a year or two, and then just keep heading um, with the winds. We'll keep heading west, and there's um, the Cook Islands. There's Fiji, Tonga. I mean, New Zealand. All, all the places Australia. that we might have wanted to go for a honeymoon back in the day, but couldn't yeah. afford. Right. Right. <laughs> now we get to go to and and live for zero dollars right i mean that's the that's the wow. way that it's very much like the van right is once you show up somewhere yeah. we're literally just spending money on on the food we get at grocery store and everything fixing, else is free. and fixing yeah. and parks obviously <laughs> that's yeah. right that's, i can't imagine that's that was cheap right? so yeah i mean our long-term goal is to end up in uh new zealand or australia um eventually but we're, we would love to stretch that out to a seven or eight year plan right if we can just slowly island top our way there and we do we do dream about driving New Zealand, both yep. islands, and driving Australia. And so you know, don't know what that looks like. Like, but that... but that's probably where the lifestyles merge again for us, right? I mean, we're obviously not going to drive around one of these islands, <laughs> other than a day rental. There, or are, something. there are no. <laughs> um, there are. Um, but yeah, when we get to those islands, then because of the seasonality of of what we can and can't do on a boat then it's highly likely that's where we'll either build out another van or ship a van over, depending on what we can figure out, and then kind of mm. wow. spend seasons, uh, half on the boat, half on the van, at least for a couple years until we see what comes after that, I guess. That's amazing. That is amazing. That is so cool. I'm just, I mean, I, I just, I can't even wrap my mind around sailing to New Zealand or Australia. Like, I'm just, I don't know. I... I'm ready to go buy a boat right now. We, should, I we just actually should not be talking to you. We got to cut the communication off right now. So. You love me bad influences. <laughs> you are the worst you influences. Come first and see how you like it, right? Yeah. Uh, I know nothing about sailing. We, neither of us grew up around boats at all. No. We have a kayak now. And that's we have about a kayak. It, so. so when you were so when you were in the middle of nowhere, I mean literally nowhere. There's just ocean, and then you. It's you, both of you. For 30 days and then you yeah. finally see land 
Like, yeah. were you excited to see another human face or were you just like, oh, I don't really want to talk right now? Like, I'm. <laughs> we're, I bet we have different answers. <laughs> yeah, I, I have actually come, become more reclusive over the years as we do this. And, you know, I have some yeah. social anxieties we can talk about in another setting. Um, and so I'm always the guy that's in the party, like trying to find a corner and like one person to talk to. Right. I don't need a lot of, yeah. of human interaction. Um, Jen, I think, would, would love to see someone other than me for a while. Right. I love talking to strangers. <laughs> um, I, I, love, I love hearing people's stories. That's why I, I love your guys' podcast so much is because, you know, yeah. you're you're just sharing people's stories with the world. It's very cool. But I mean, I I walk into a crowd and I just know that everybody has a complex like history, a complex current life that, you know, they've had heartache and they've experienced love and joy and pain. And like, I just, I just know I can, I can just feel that everybody has these like just layers and layers and layers of their life. And I, I, of course, I don't want to be a weirdo and say, tell me all the layers of your life, but I really do want to know, like, I I mean, yeah, I've learned to not be so, um, invasive I guess it's really funny I mean we we do love these conversations right especially when it comes to other travelers which here that's all we get right all we talk to is other people that are traveling or locals Mm -hmm. um which the 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 language divide here is is becoming a little problem with that right so it's really more just about other travelers um Mm -hmm. and we love sharing our story we love trying to help other people do it. I mean, you guys know this firsthand, right? From that day on the beach. Um, but we also hate being on video, right? I mean, there's a reason we don't have a YouTube channel. We haven't done those things. We're just not comfortable with it very much. Um, yeah. But if somebody just snuck up with a camera as we're talking to other people, like that's great. Like it works. Um, I think yeah. we were stoked to see land as where as for people, we have a slightly different answer, right? Um, <laughs> but it's an interesting thing. I mean, it, it's. To, to tie this back, I guess, to that whole black and white thing we were talking about. Like when we lived in Portland and we had our jobs and we dreamt of or put the pictures up on the board of these things that we wanted to do but knew we could never do. We didn't know anybody that had ever done it. We didn't know how to get there. We didn't even know about that first step to try and turn it into a gray zone, right? It just seemed impossible. There's just this giant wall that said, that's not life. That's not how you do it. Keep your keep your nine to five and, and work your tail off. Um, now, ironically, the only people we talk to are people that live this lifestyle, right? All, the only people we talk to are people that have run away. You know, some of them obviously worked and saved and waited till retirement. But we meet a crazy number of people that are far younger than us. Like we're kind of in the middle zone between the retirement people and the, the young crowd, you know, whether YouTubing or not, right? And so every conversation we have now is about various ways to get free, various ways to make money they're oddly much like this, right? It's just that no one happens to be filming them or, or recording it. And it's just, I don't, my brain can't not laugh in the middle of each one of those conversations and be like, where was this 15 years ago yeah. when we were mm. right. looking for any impetus whatsoever? Like, where was that voice mm-hmm. to say, sure, it's possible. Go to this marina and talk to 25 people tomorrow about 25 different ways to do it, mm-hmm. right? It, mm-hmm. It's just not, and even, frankly, even if somebody told me that, my brain would have thought, no, it's not. No, that's not true. <laughs> uh, and it's not yeah. that easy, but 
all of these people are out there, right? And I think everybody's mm -hmm. just happy to share the story, right? I mean, I'm, I presume most people you guys contact and say, do you want to do a podcast? They're like, no, that sounds horrible. Like people love sharing their story and ideas and they want to help other people. Yeah. You don't know how to act. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is the problem too. When we needed it, there were there was no podcast and no YouTube and no social media because right. we left too early, maybe. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. It's 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 really interesting the the difference in the kind of people we talk to now, and we could have used them. Yeah, it's definitely more common. I mean, even since we got into it five years ago, when we first started and we bought our first van and we were in Chattanooga converting it. I think we saw maybe one or two other vans the entire time we were converting this van in Chattanooga. And now you can't drive a mile down the road without yeah, seeing another van. It's just like, at first everybody wanted to see inside. And now it's just like, okay, another yeah. van. Like, now people like just roll their eyes at us. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's crazy. I mean, like, and I personally, I love that because there are more people to learn from. I mean, you guys have been so helpful to us in mm -hmm. so many seasons. I don't know how many times I've sent you guys messages about random things and you guys answer immediately and have been great. But I mean, there's so many people out there who are so willing to share their knowledge in whatever arena they're in. And yeah, it makes it seem more accessible, like a little less scary to kind of jump into it because other people have gone before yeah. us. But yeah, it's nice to know that you're not alone. I know we need to wrap this up because we've held you guys for a long time. I mean, um, we can do, do this all day, more? but then you're going to have to do a whole <laughs> So, I'm afraid yeah. if we stay out here too long, I'm oh, going to go out and buy a boat too. Because <laughs> I'm like ready to gonna go. She's going to like, yeah, try to sell the house. And yeah. So <laughs> if, if you could, if you could leave us with one like lasting thought, if somebody's li listening to this podcast right now and they're like, you know what? Boat life doesn't sound half bad being in paradise for, for two years or whatever. I mean, what would you, what do you want to leave us with? What has really brought a lot of freedom to our decision-making in our life is to know that when you make a decision, you're not making your forever decision. So if, you, if you're like, what do I wanna do for the next year? I really wanna live in a van for the next year. You're not saying I'm gonna, I'm never gonna go back to normal life. I'm never gonna go back to a job. I'm just gonna do this forever. It, it, it's a little bit easier to swallow if you're just choosing a right now decision and not a forever decision. So. What do you have I to add to that? No, I think that's great. I mean, I think that that's good. That's kind of the key takeaway for us, right? Like it's all about the gray zone. It's it's all about breaking it down to smaller decisions, right? It's not about it, the end of the race. It's literally like, what's the next step look like? Where am I going next? Mm -hmm. And I, somehow, at least for the brain that we talked about before, that was really stressed about all of these things, it just makes it a lot easier, right? I mean, I think that the fact that we planned on only leaving for a year is actually the only reason we're still doing it 12 years later as where and and no plans to stop let's be clear um mm -hmm. i think if we had tried to say we're going to go do this thing for 12 years we never would have gone right i mean we we wouldn't have known how to it, it solve all the things that that presumably had to be solved much less find the courage to do it so yeah mm -hmm. and then the other best advice is go find yourself a gen like that that's certainly very helpful <laughs> right um, everyone needs a gen <laughs> I mean, I say it jokingly, but it's actually important, right? Not, I don't mean that even as a partner to do it with, but you are, I mean, there's some study that came out a while back, like the number one, um, I'm going to slaughter what this study said, but effectively the number one key piece of importance is the five people you spend most time with, right? And so for most of us, if you spend your time around people that also feel like there's no option and the only path is to stay at the nine to five, it's very unlikely you're going to find a path out, right? 
as where if you start spending time with people, sailors, people that live in a van, listening to podcasts, I mean, it, it starts to sound easier. And at some point, yeah, that's all it takes, right? It's so true. That's really good advice. That really is good. I mean, I'm sitting here like, oh, yeah, I remember that. The second we started watching YouTube of van lifers and met you guys, and I realized it wasn't just us. Like, it seemed more accessible. It seemed doable in those little segments of we'll do it for a year. We'll do it for another year. And just it is much easier to swallow. That's really good advice. Yeah. yeah. Guys, have, thank you so much. I have so another much. one. Is it okay if I... Go for it. Yes. Oh, please. yeah, absolutely. We're not going anywhere. That's this is great. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Let's go. Uh, we, we live in a world right now where there's so many visuals. We're seeing how other people are living. And um, I, I guess it, it seems to me like the answers are inside us. What is going to make us feel like we're really living true to ourselves? When we see what other people are doing, that's inspiration. That that's not, that that's just information to add to your to what you're already, you know, feeling, but there is no right way to live that like van life is not right. Boat life is not right. It's what feels, what feels right to yourself. And so developing that is hard, especially when you live in a, in a fast paced life, you've got the kids and the job and, you know, you've got conflict in your relationships that you're all, you're constantly trying to like, find harmony and you're trying to take care of yourself and you work, you know, it's very loud. And so it's hard mm -hmm. to hear that, but that's where like, and you, we, we, we see people, you know, they, they move into a van, they hate it. They buy a boat, then they decide to sell it. Like that's not failure. That's them learning mm -hmm. what, what they really want. And that that wasn't it at that moment. And so yeah. that's just, it takes courage and it takes it quiet does. to, you know, to try it on for size. To try it on for size, yeah. That's yeah. so good. It real. That's really good. Yeah, it's okay to say no. I mean, yeah. I think we've pulled from a lot of different people's. We've watched so many people on YouTube and heard so many podcasts, and we pulled a little bit of information from so many people and yeah. created. I think figured out what works for us and what doesn't, and we're still figuring that out. Who knows exactly. where we'll be? Maybe we'll be on a boat next year. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Yeah. And then you've got the <laughs> dynamic of the two of you. Right. So it's it's not yeah. just, you know, Chris and Sarah. It's it's the Chris Sarah. Chris Sarah. Guys, this is so much fun. Yeah. We need to do this again. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate you guys doing this with us. Yeah. No, it's a pleasure. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to What No One Tells You with Chris and Sarah. If you have a comment or question that you want answered on the air, be sure to send us a message to hello at chrisandsarah.com or you can call or text our phone number at 423-825-9572. Thanks for listening.